are going to continue our sermon series called On Mission. Say that with me. Say, On Mission. All right. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus once again, as we've been doing this whole morning. And Lord, we just humble ourselves and we incline our ears to hear what you would say to us, God, uh, Lord, and that your message would be applicable to our hearts and our lives. And Lord, your word is eternal and it penetrates and it's alive and it changes us. So Lord, oh, we don't listen today, uh, Lord, to... Uh, to use it to bash someone else, but God, we listen and incline ourselves today that we might be changed and become more like you. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen, on mission. So if you are taking notes, it doesn't matter if you are or not, it's up to you, uh, but if you are taking notes, the title of this message is called Motto, and uh, what a motto is, if you don't know what that is, is that is a short sentence or phrase chosen to um, encapsulate the beliefs or ideas that guide an individual, a family, an institution, yada, yada, yada. So as, <laughs> so, um, as a church, we have a motto, and, we're gonna, and I'm going to show that in just a moment. But before we go into that, I think that I just want to show this graphic of our mission, uh, on-mission sermon series graphic, if you could just pull that back up for me, uh, because I think it's, it's kind of cool that, if, I don't know if you guys know who, primarily does a lot of our graphic designs is Becca Tanzel, and she is, yep, thank you, right, right, let's give her a hand, she does awesome. Now, she's well-resourced well with pictures and graphics and all this other stuff, and she's done a lot of stuff in the past where she's incorporated pictures of our church and all this other stuff, and I thought, isn't it interesting that our sermon series is called On Mission, and yet not a single one of those pictures are one of us, because our mission isn't just to reach us. Our mission <laughs> is to reach those we've never met before. And so I just thought that that was a really, you know, and, and she, she probably didn't do that like prophetically, but it is. It's a, it's, a, it's a picture to show these are individuals. These are who we're called to. We're called to people we don't know. That's what the mission of the church is, right? Amen. Say amen right there. Get on the same page. That's the mission. So every gospel-centered church's mandate is the Great Commission, Right? And that's found in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. You can turn there in your Bibles, or you can look at it right on the screens. We're going to read this together. I have one letter or one word that's highlighted. It said, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Pretty awesome, right? Verse 19. Go. <laughs> Therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Isn't that a great promise? I am with you always. God, I don't feel God's with me. He's with you. Right? Faith and feelings are two different things. Right, friends? How many times have we had to act in faith when our feelings didn't match up to it? Or how often did our feelings try to dictate what our faith is? He says, I am with you always. But that little one word that he tells us in verse 19 is go. And that's why we're talking about being on mission uh, for the next couple of weeks, because we do have a mission. We have a great commission. Every gospel-centered church's mandate is to do the great commission. Right? So check out so check out this graphic. Maybe you've seen this one before, maybe you haven't. We we put this on t-shirts. Uh, and this is this is our motto. Being real, loving God, loving people, releasing vision. Friends at Vision Church, we value authenticity, man. We value being real. So obviously we're talking about the motto today. So number one, friends, we're talking about being real. Being real. in here has a hard time with fake people? Raise your hand. Okay, so the rest of you who didn't raise your hand, teach us. <laughs> Come and instruct us on how you deal with people that are fake and that talk about you behind your back. And that, please, instruct me. <laughs> but for the most part, right, like, like there's something inside of you 
that when, when someone is fake, when someone isn't real, it rubs you wrong. Why? Because in reality, all of us have a value of truth, right? All of us have a value of being real, right? I mean, to be honest, I mean, it, you, it doesn't get more real than being real. We name TV shows and movies and all this stuff about being real because there's just tons of fake people. And, and this is the thing. Even Jesus rebuked the Pharisees, religious leader of their time in so many words, and he called them fake. He called them some fakers. Don't believe me? Let's read this. <laughs> Matthew chapter 23, verse 25 through 28. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. And he uses the word hypocrites. If you're a follower of Christ, that's like the absolute worst thing someone could ever call you, right? You can call me a dog. You can call me dirt. You can call me, right? You can say I suck at preaching, right? You can say I'm the worst pastor. But do not call me a hypocrite, those fighting words. <laughs> <laughs> right it's like somebody calling you out out on the block but so jesus how many of us know that jesus knows what's in our hearts he knew what were in the the scribes and pharisees hearts right the the religious leaders of their time so he's talking to the people that were the elite of the religious people and he called them hypocrites and he says and then then he gives an explanation why he says for you clean the outside of the cup and plate Anybody, any kids do dishes in here? Anybody do dishes? All right, you get that little scrubber, you start cleaning. You put that dish away, you pull it out. Isn't that nasty? Like you pull, you pull, you pull that cup out and there's like a little like ring at the bottom of that cup, right? Have you ever, and that ever happened to you? I've had this happen where I pulled a bowl out of the cupboard and there's some, and there's just like a little piece of leftover food that the dishwasher didn't catch. Just a little crumb of cereal that's still stuck to the bowl. Now, many of you would just take that and put that right in the sink. Not me. I just scrape that off and put my cereal back in there. I'm just like, let's, we're just going to go for it. We're going to do it. <laughs> like, I'm not eating with you anymore. <laughs> he says, you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside are full of greed and self-indulgence. So you look good. It's nice and clean on the outside, but on the inside, the hearts, man, they're greedy, self-indulgent. Verse 26, you blind Pharisees. First clean the inside, then the outside will be clean. Jesus is showing that the inside, our hearts, how we, how, how we act, how we live, is more important than how you look on Sundays. That'll preach. Verse 27. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, and he uses that word again, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, and then I got this part highlighted, which outwardly appear beautiful. But within are full of dead people's bones and uncleanness. So you are outwardly appearing righteous to others. Wow. But within you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Now Jesus is using this word fake. Isn't he? He's saying you're fake. You appear all righteous and all godly on the outside. But really, let me tell you about yourself. <laughs> Tough, sir. Dumpster on fire. <laughs> Full of greed and self-indulgence, hypocrisy, lawlessness. Friends, all of us have encountered a fake person, right? If you've ever encountered a fake person in your life, raise your hand. Right? Here we go. Are you ready to be real? I'm going to see as many hands now. We're talking about being real. How many of us have at one time been the fake person? Ooh, look at all that. Look at that honesty, man. I love you guys. Yeah, confession time. Repent. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> just joking. <laughs> no, but seriously, right? Like, like we don't like fake people, right? Like, ugh, fake, ugh, get out of here, ugh. But guess what? We've been fake, right? I've been fake from time to time. You know, if, you've, if, you, say, if you say, I haven't been fake, I guarantee you one phrase that you've said, and you were fake. Someone said, how are you doing? You say, I'm okay. And inside, inside, you aren't. Or I'm fine. Or I'm fine. Right? 
Now, I'm not saying that you're supposed to spill all your guts to every person that you encounter, right? Hey, how you doing? You're walk, you know, you're doing your power walk. Well, let me tell you, sit down here. You know, like, like you're, right? Of course not. Right, that's right. That, that, could, that could be, a, you know, right. doing better. <laughs> doing okay, right? Sometimes we have to look at ourselves, Right? And so that's, you know, that's my thing is, is we value being real. We, va- we value that. And, and fake is not just them. Fake can sometimes be us. Being real is actually complex. Do you know that? Because being real, it's so funny because it's easy to hide, right? Hiding is easy. Little kids do that. Hide and seek, right? You can be two years old and know how to hide. We know how to hide. But being real is complex because we need to be real with ourselves. And I don't think a lot of people are actually real with themselves. They're like, you might, maybe, you, maybe you're not telling them you're fine. Maybe you're telling yourself, I'm fine. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I got this, I'm fine, I got this. When you don't, when you really don't. I think being real with ourselves is, is one of the most challenging things that we could do, especially because if you can look in the mirror and look at yourself and be honest and real and see, instead of seeing what you want to see and thinking you're all this and actually look at yourself. And I'm not, I'm not saying beat yourself up. I'm not saying, you know what I mean? Like, but actually say, I have a problem. I need help. Right? Isn't it like the first step of like Alcoholics Anonymous and AA and all these things is I have a problem. And, and, for, and for many of us, we... We go through life, we go through struggles, we go through things, and we just act like, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, when really you're, you're being inside, you're just dying. And so being real is a core value because we, we want to have a, 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 a church, we want to have a culture where people can say, I'm not fine. And hopefully the person has enough time and love for you that they say, well, why is that? Share with me, what's going on? Say, being real. And you know, this whole thing is, it's, like I said, it's complex. We're not going to get in, into it. We're going to keep moving here. Uh, one of the things that happens when people are not taking a good look at themselves is sometimes they can think they're better than others. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. And this is what happened with the Pharisees. And this is what can happen to any person who is better off than someone else, whether it be spiritually, financially, emotionally. Man, your family's, you know, you've got stability. So then now you think you're better than someone. Remember, I showed that, I showed that picture last time I preached, and I said, what's the difference between the person on the left and the person on the right? And the one person was a WD, w, uh, was it, uh, UFC champion, and the other one was a homeless man. I said, what's the difference? One's better than the other? No, absolutely not. But one one decision can downward spiral to cause us to be homeless. One bad decision, right? Rich people get bankrupt, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, these people, seriously. I mean, they, they actually did a study. Every person that's ever won the lottery at some point, uh, they end up becoming broke again. Bad decisions, right? Bad decisions. So Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says this. It says, for by the grace, Lord, that's the word we're going to talk. We're going to just highlight that for a moment. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Well, I'm better than them because I have a better job. I'm better than them because I pray more than them. I'm better than them, really. (laughs) We do this, though. We do it. I mean, you probably have compared yourself to somebody probably three times a day already. Right? I mean, maybe. I don't know. Because there's this false narrative of us comparing ourselves to others when the only one that we're, we're truly supposed to compare ourselves, the real scale, is to compare ourselves to Christ. And we'll fall short every time. Keeps us humble. That word grace, right? You ought, uh, we shouldn't think of ourselves more highly than, than we ought. And, and then on the whole other side too, right? We can't think of ourselves too lowly either, right? You can't have insecurity, low self-esteem, all this other stuff. We need this word called grace. Grace. Say Grace. You need to have grace for yourself, and through that, you can have grace for others. He says, for by the grace given to me, I say to you, don't think of yourself more highly. So basically, we need more grace. Amen? 
I need more grace. You need more grace. We all need more grace. So yes, Lord Jesus, grace. Grace, I need it. Grace, give it, get it, give it, all that good stuff. The thing is, is our world has seen enough religious, judgy, non-Christian Christianity. Right? Our world has seen enough religious, judgy, non-Christian acts in Christianity. And that's why we're talking about being real. Because the world doesn't need that. Right? The world needs people who are just humble, love God, love people. Keeping it simple. Right? Hopefully that when you see the leadership here at Vision, that you don't think we have it all together. Right? If you do, come and sit with me for two hours. You realize, wow, man, that guy's a jacked. <laughs> yeah, I'm, you know, a little bit better off than I was last year. How's that? <laughs> right? We don't put on a show. Right? We don't act like we're perfect or that we have it all together. To be honest, I think we sometimes even share our mistakes from here. And that's kind of unheard of because the American Christianity, the way that the culture has idolized it, is that the person who's up here sharing the gospel has their life together and is perfect and never shares any of their struggles. And then we put them on a pedestal, and then when they fall, we're heartbroken because we had this person idolized. Friends, don't put people on a pedestal, please. You'll be heartbroken. Put me on a pedestal, you're going to be heartbroken because I'm going to fail. I'm going to miss text messages. I'm going to miss birthdays. I'm going to miss stuff. And it doesn't mean I don't love you. It means I'm human. I make mistakes, and I've got a lot of stuff happening. And my wife, she needs a lot of attention. I say that in jest, but in, in all seriousness, right? My family should come first, right? And, and I'm in a season where, like, I mean, I mean, my kids, I mean, there's, like, they've had, like, there's times where there's, like, four games in one week, five games in one week. And they have practices, and they have stuff, like, like, like we have to give attention to that stuff. So if I miss something, if I miss, if I miss a meeting or if I miss something, it's, it's not, it's, don't take it as, as I'm rejecting you. I make mistakes, right? All of us make mistakes. Hopefully you have grace for me because I need it. And because I'm going to give you grace. Because, because you're going to not agree with everything we do here. And you're going to talk bad about us behind our back. And I'm still going to love you. Whew. Come on, seriously. This is what happens, right? Sheep have sharp teeth. Don't lie to me. They're not supposed to, but they bite. Sheep bite. No, they have sharp teeth, and they bite, right? And I'm human, man. You talk about me, talk about my family or whatever, that hurts my feelings, right? I'm not as Christ as I need to be, but it happens. Because why? Because the leadership is under, it's under attack, and I know that, right? I didn't always agree with the leadership that I was under, and, you don't, and you're not going to agree with all of the things that decisions we make. It's just a part of this whole thing. But we're a family. We love each other. Hopefully you have grace for us. We have grace for you, right? And this is whole thing of being real, right? Because we're not putting on this fake thing like our church is perfect. Come to our church. We got the best one. You ain't never going to have your heart broken. You ain't never. No. Someone's going to offend you. This is being real, right? We're being real. Someone's going to hurt your feelings or offend you. They're going to say something that they should. Not because they hate you. Not because they're stupid. It's just we sometimes don't know what's coming out of this, right? We just don't. Right? Like, that's why, that's why even James says, he says, if a man can contain his tongue, he's perfect. We're still working on taming our tongue, aren't we? If you're still working on taming that tongue, please raise your hand. Right? Because my tongue usually turns into my foot. Because it just, <laughs> it does. We all need grace, right? We all need grace. Right? Okay? Again, man, we, we need grace, being real, and this is, okay, last part of this, and then we're going to the next one. And being real, this is the thing. Being real is not conforming to people's opinions, the culture, and all this other stuff. Being real is just living like Jesus. If you are a follower of Christ, and yet you start conforming to people's opinions of you, 
These are conforming to what the culture says you should be. That's not being real. You're just being like everybody else who's conforming to everyone else. Okay, that's the last part of that. Number two, loving God. So number one, friends, we value being real. Number two, friends, loving God. And let me say, you cannot truly love others if you don't love God because his love inside of you is the way you can ultimately truly love others the way we're supposed to. What is the greatest command? Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. You see what word I have highlighted? You shall love the Lord your God. Not Josh Hester's God. Not the God of your parents. Not the God of your grandfather. But that's the problem. Is that he has to be yours. Your personal relationship with God. So this, this verse is all about you and him. Because I can preach. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. I can preach that all day. And the only way you'll actually get it is if he is your God. Because if not, right? I shared a, I shared a testimony uh, a, a few weeks ago, and I actually have shared it a few times about uh, this incredible woman at our South Seattle campus. Her name is Star. And, and she, uh, she uh, has a testimony of a background similar to mine with drugs and alcohol and all this other stuff. And she would find herself coming in and out of the church and, um, and she'd you know, be serving God for a while and then kind of go back and this, that, and the other. And then um, we were riding, we were driving to our kids' camp, and she's telling me her testimony, telling me, sharing her story. And I asked her, I said, Star, well, what changed? She said she's been serving the Lord faithfully for three years. She said, what changed is I have a personal relationship with God this time. That's what changed. It was personal. It was her God. It wasn't like trying to fix her life for her family. It wasn't trying to get her life together for her husband. It, it, it was she had a personal relationship with God. And from that relationship, everything else started to flow from that. Seriously. Right? Like Josh Hester, he didn't say, okay, let's get off drugs, do all these other things. No, he, he, he began having a personal relationship with God. And from that relationship with God, Josh decided, I don't need drugs. It's an idol in my life. I don't need these relationships. They're bad for me right? It was that personal relationship, okay? Jesus says, all of our heart. Have you ever loved someone like that? Have you ever loved somebody with all of your heart? If you haven't, friends, you will someday, hopefully. If you love someone with all your heart, that's the one that you usually want to say, I do, too, right? The one you usually say, I'm going to marry that person. And so when you find that person that you love with all, you stand before them eye to eye and you say these beautiful marriage vows. You say, I give you all that I have. And in my case to my wife, that was nothing. <laughs> I gave her, I had a, a car and a bed. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> right. That's right. My Bonneville, 88 Bonneville. Right? So, <laughs> I give you all that I have, and it's not much. But I'm serious. Right? And, 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 I, and so, when I, when I said that, I'm, and it's not just about monetary and stuff, but it's like, I'm going to work and love you and work for you for the rest of my life. So, when I do stuff, I mean, my side hustles, all of that stuff, fixing things in our house and all this is for her. And for those kids, obviously, too. Right? <laughs> But it's because I said, I will give you all that I have. And so that, that's my talent, my treasure, my abilities. I've got talents. I've got treasure. I've got abilities. And so that's for, right? So when we say to the Lord, I'm going to love you with all of my heart, we're giving him all that we have. Now, this is the thing, friends. You don't automatically just love somebody like that. Love is gradual, right? Like you have to... Be pursued or you have to pursue. We all know this, right? We've seen those stories. We've watched those love movies. Because it's, a, it's, a, it's not a man movie. It's, somebody's not dying. It's, you know, those love movies, you know. 
and the, the ones that, you know, that, that you know, the, the, the girl's having a hard time and the guy swoops in and, you know, and then they live happily ever after. But the whole movie is usually about, you know, and they'll have, they have fights and all this other stuff. But then at the end, he realizes he's such an idiot and he goes chasing her down. And every woman loves that. They're just like, oh, my knight in shining armor. But the thing is, is this is, it didn't just automatically start where you were just love them. No, there was a pursuit that happened. And this is the thing. When we find ourselves in this position where God is saying, I love you, you need to experience that. Right? I'm not just saying this and it's a cliche. No, friends. That's why it says in Psalm uh, 34, verse 8, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Friends, you have to experience the love of God for yourself. And through that experience, friends, you will want to love him back. I mean, go back how many years when you, I'm married people in here, I'm talking to you. Before you said, I do, and those feelings and the butterflies, and they're probably gone now, right? They've been gone for years, right? All those butterflies are gone, right? Well, because love isn't a feeling. Listen to me. Love isn't a feeling. It's an action. We're going to get into that, right? Love is, a, love is a commitment and an action, not just feelings, right? You don't always feel in love. You still wake up, take out the trash, right? So <laughs> the thing is, is, friends, we need to have a, a, an experience with God and experience Jesus, knowing that he's real, knowing that he's committed to us, and experience his love that he has for us, and through that, we will say back to him, all that I have is yours. I can't talk you into that. Just like I can't talk you into loving someone. You have to experience that love from that person, and you say, man, you're treating me like the best thing I've ever been treated before. I want to commit my life to you. It's the same way with our Father. That you would experience his love and his commitment to you. And from that, you would say, I want to commit my life to you fully for the rest of my life. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. If you give him all of your heart and entrust him with it, action will follow, friends. Love is an action. It's not an emotion. Now, feelings are the fuel to the action, Right? Emotion is the fuel that fuels action. But love is more than just a feeling. It is an action and a commitment. Say love is an action and a commitment. When you stand and you took those vows, I've taken those vows, and I looked at her, her eyes, she looked at me in my eyes before hundreds of people and God is witness, and I said, I will love you and no other. Now, that's just words. Right? There's, a, there's, there's thousands of people that have said those same things and still go commit adultery. Because those are words. Right? It's action and commitment that's real love. Right? Not, that love's, not that words don't matter. Words do matter. Be a, be a man, I want to be a man of my word. Right? For me, that's like the core value of Josh Hester is, is he a man of his word? That's, that's my truth. That's my reality. Like, I, if I say it, I want to do it. And if, I, and if I don't, then, you know, I feel like failure, right? But that's what it is. It's an action. It's a commitment. And Jesus says that if you love me, you will obey what I say. Again, because love is an action, right? You can't just say, well, I love Jesus. There's thousands of people out here who say, uh, you know, yeah, I love Jesus. But where's the action, right? That's why John says if we can say, because this was back in his day, he said this, if you can say, I love God, and yet hate your brother, why would he say that unless he was seeing it? Right? That we, because that's happened, right? I love God. But you're treating them like crap. <laughs> you say, I love God, and then you're over here smacking them or, or whatever. You know, I don't know. You know, I don't know the context of, of why he was saying that. But if you say, I love God, yet, yet you hate your brother, you, you despise your neighbor, you're treating them, then really is the love of God in you. You can't, Right? So, so, number, so number one, we talked about being real. Number two, we talked about loving God. Number three, loving others. And that's what kind of trickles into this. John chapter 13, verse 35 says this. He says, 
that in the, this is in the uh, ESV. He says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. People will see how you treat others and say, what is different about you? And you would say, I love Jesus, right? I love Jesus. People will look and say, man, they're doing it. They're doing it. Oh, uh, John chapter 13, verse 35. Yes, absolutely. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus said that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, right? That was uh, Matthew uh, 23. Or no, not Matthew 23. Um, Matthew 22, 37. Yeah, thank you. And then the very next uh, verse 38, which I didn't put up there, it says, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Okay? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus said this. Now, again, I'm going to just let you all know, because we're talking about being real here. Friends, I can't love people selfishly and expect nothing in return without the love of the Father in me. Because Josh Hester is naturally selfish. Right? All of us are naturally selfish. My mama said yes. There's, there's, a, there's a second witness. Can I get a third? Yes. <laughs> right? By myself, right? Naturally self-centered. Because by nature we are. By nature we are. It's our selfish, sinful nature. So I can't love others selflessly without the love of the Father in me. And you might say, well, well, what about those people who, you know what I mean, they don't even love God. They're not followers of Christ, and yet they create charities and foundations and do all this for the poor and do all these things for all these people. And I would say to that, I would say, yeah, out of all of that stuff that happens, those people do that to feel good about themselves or to look good in front of others. It's, come on, come on, there's the, there's the preacher right there. It's still about themselves, right? Josh Hester can't serve somebody without receiving something back selflessly without Christ in him. Because that's the love that we're called to love people with. You're supposed to love somebody and not expect anything back. Right, it's easy to love our families because, right, they do good stuff for us, right? They, they, you know, buy, maybe they clean our house, maybe they buy us Christmas presents, whatever. I mean, Jesus said it's easy. You know, even the pagans love, love their own families, but to love somebody who can give you nothing in return, the only way you can truly authentically do that in a selfless manner is the love of the Father in you. The only way to love someone, serve someone, help someone, expect nothing in return, and you're not doing it for everyone to see, you're not trying to make a name for yourself, you're not trying to get a pat on the back, the Pharisees did that. They did all these things for people to see. Jesus said, you received your reward in full because you did it in front of everybody for everybody to see. Oh, look how you helped that, that poor person. The only way that you can do that without wanting those accolades in a selfless manner is through the love of Jesus. So, which brings us right back to loving God. Because when you love God, when you, when you give your love to him, he will give his love to you. And there's no other love on this planet that's quite like that. That will cause you to die for someone you don't know. No greater love is this, is that a man would lay down his lifeless friend. All 12 disciples received that love. You know, obviously the 12th one, not being Judas, the one thing. All of them died, were persecuted, and died for, not just for belief, not just for an idolatry, not ideology. They died for a relationship they had with Jesus. Okay? So, obviously, being real, loving God, loving others. Finally, number four. Releasing vision. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. This is the motto, which, or not the motto. This is the, this is the verse when we decided to name our church vision. This was the verse that brought all that to perspective in life. And that's Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 in the King James Version. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And our heart is like, we don't want to see people perish around us. But people need to have vision. People need to have vision. We planted vision in South Toledo. And we planted vision in Waterville. And we try to do our best to live out a life of, of vision. True vision is the Jeremiah 29, 11. 
For I know the plans I have for you, right? Because with, without vision, think of this. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. If that's God's plan for you, why would you want anything else other than that? <laughs> right? Like, if God's plan for me is for prosperity and to give me hope in a future, why would I do anything to derail that? <laughs> you know what my job is? Because he has plans for me? Josh Hester's job is to figure out what are those plans. Not to try to create my own plans. Right? Because it says many are the plans in a man's heart. The Lord determines the steps and all that stuff. And I can try. No, my job is what are your plans you have for me, Lord, that I can align with that? Because his plans for me are prosperous and successful and give me a hope in the future. And I'll tell you what, I would do a lot less failing. Not that I won't fail because I will. I do a lot less failing if I stay on that plan. I think his plan is the best plan. Right? Think of this. I mean, if he knit the whole universe and it says in Isaiah that he measures it, which is infinitely expanding by the span of his hand, I think he knows what he's doing. He says the very hairs on our head are numbered. Right? I mean, scientists, we're still trying to figure out how the heck is life on earth working when you go to all these other planets because everything is so intricately perfect because God designed it like that. Like, they're like, how in the heck does this work like it does? This, you know, this whole symbiotic thing with the earth and plants and humans. And I mean, it's just, right? I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, it's driving atheists bonkers. They're like, I saw this, uh, I saw this a documentary where, where they're going to what they call intelligent design. These atheists are like, everything's too perfect. There has to be a planner. I'm like, you're one step closer, baby. <laughs> you're just one step closer. <laughs> right right instead of thinking this all happened by accident because that's what releasing vision is is that we that that we would just you know we'd point people to, to to the lord that he has plans right and give you a hope in a future man because i think too often you know we when we look at ourselves you may look at yourselves like saul looked at himself i do from time to time and you would say how can I do anything good? You view yourself small in your own eyes. But when Christ is in you, right, when Christ is in you, he takes us from being a wimp to a warrior. He calls us more than conquerors in Christ. I can do all things through Christ. So, so releasing vision is actually showing people that there is more potential in your life than you even see. There's more potential in your life than you could even. It says, uh, it says that uh, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor mind conceived the things that the Lord has stored up for us. And I know a lot of that, you know, could pertain to heaven. But what about some of the things on this earth that you never had an idea for? Right? Like, seriously, like Josh Hester, if you would have went and talked to 18-year-old Josh Hester and say, Josh Hester, when you're 42, you're going to be overseeing two churches. You're going to be doing blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. I would have looked at you like you're nuts. Right? That wasn't even, that wasn't even on my radar. That wasn't even on my spectrum. Right? Because, man, because God saw when he looked at that kid and he looked at, at, at that loser, right? Because I was back then. And he said, man, let me, let me show you my plans. <laughs> I mean, I was just sharing last, I don't know if it was last week or a few weeks before, how, how I was just, just, there's times, I think everybody needs to have prophetic words in your life. You know what a, does anybody here know what a prophetic word is? You know what a prophetic word is? Prophetic word is a word that the Lord speaks to you. I mean, and it's more than just words. I mean, it like penetrates your soul, right? I mean, it's from the Lord that he speaks, you know, directly, you know, from the mouth of God to you. And you know how you know it's a prophetic word? Because it's timeless. It's timeless. And usually it's a prophetic word because usually it's, it's from a mouthpiece of somebody who doesn't know your intimate business. And they'll speak something to you. Man, if you can take the moment... If, if you feel that, you need to write that down. Because there'll be times in your life when, when you're struggling, you'll go back and you'll look at that 
And you'll say, God, I remember when you spoke this to me. I'm telling you, friends, there's been times where, where I have looked at, you know, all that, that we've been doing for the last 20 years and say, and I've thought, are we really making a difference? Are we really making a difference? Can I be real? Right? That's what I said. This is about real, right? I'm not going to be up here like, we're doing everything perfect. No, we're not. <laughs> and there was a prophetic word that wasn't even given to me that was given to my wife. And I shared this a few weeks ago. I'm sharing again. It was given to my wife when she was in Bible college before her and I were even married. And this was the word, the word, the prophetic word that was given to her that she crossed paths with her husband already and that her and her husband, sorry, <laughs> we're going to do great ministry together. <laughs> sorry. Like before I was even married to my wife, the Lord would look at this and say, it's great. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, I'm, not a, I'm, not a, I'm not a crier, but man, that just penetrates my soul because it's real. You need a word like that in your life, friends. <laughs> Something that you can hold on to. You need a word like that. Oh, man, I wanted to put this, I wanted to put this quote up there um, by... How many of you guys, how many of you guys have ever heard of Jim Carrey? You guys ever heard of that? Yeah, anybody ever? <laughs> oh man, I was out, you know, I had, I had in my mind to put this quote up there. I'm going to find it just because. <laughs> oh man, I should have put this up there. So this is a quote from him. Uh, Jim Carrey was talking about how he's retiring. Okay, yeah, he's retiring. And he says this. Okay, uh, Jim Carrey also added, he said, I really like my quiet life, and I really like putting paintings on canvas, and I really love my spiritual life. And I feel like, and this is something you might never hear another celebrity say as time exists, I am enough, I've done enough, I have enough. I've done enough, I have enough, I am enough. And that's what I believe, releasing vision. And it's funny because I actually saw this, I saw this little clip of Jim Carrey and he was talking about the Lord. I'm like, did he get saved? <laughs> You're like, you don't know. Like, you don't know people's personal walk, right? You don't know. We don't know, right? I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be absolutely amazing when you stand before the Lord because, and I've heard this said and I believe it, there's going to be people that are there that you never would have thought were going to be there. And there are going to be people you thought were there that aren't going to be there. It's very scary. Friends, releasing vision is showing people their value and worth to the Lord, that you're valuable, uh, and, and, and your value has nothing to do with how others view you. People spend their life trying to impress others. And you can live a life free from that. I live a life free from that. That's my wife. I'm like, I don't care what they think. <laughs> and she said, it's annoying. <laughs> Like, I don't care what they think because I'm free from that. I'm free from caring what people think. I know I don't, you know, use that and, and, be, and, and become a jerk to everyone. But to be honest, I mean, if you have something bad to say about me, I can shrug it off. I can shake it off. Talk about my wife. Nope. I'm, we don't fight. But, but, uh, but for me, seriously, like, <laughs> can I be honest? I mean, I was ready to throw hands like, uh, like a, a few years ago when somebody was bad-mouthing my wife on Facebook. Right? I mean... Right? You, can take, you can take Josh Hester out of North Toledo, but sometimes taking North Toledo out of Josh Hester isn't always as, as easy as it sounds. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm still a work in progress, y'all. Okay? Yeah, we all are. So Luke chapter, here, we're going to uh, read these few verses, and then we're, we're going to end here. Um, Jeremiah says, I know the plans I have for you. Now, this is the thing. This is why this is why we want to this is why we're called to release vision because we need to show people their value their worth in the Lord and and that their value has nothing to do with others think or what they say about you has nothing to do with that. And friends there is so much God potential in this room. Do you know that? So much God potential in this room. We just don't see it. We don't see it in ourselves. We sometimes have a hard time to see with our heart and not with our eyes. We view people from 
outward perspective, we all do this. You know, we look at somebody, we say, oh, they have it all together, and they really don't, right? Jesus told the Pharisees that they had eyes, but they were blind. He told them that they were blind guides. You know, it reminds me of this beautiful hymn, uh, which is quoted out of the book of John, that I was blind, and yet I see. I was blind, and yet I see. Acts chapter 9, verse 17 through 19 here. We're, we're going to end on this one. Now, I was blind, and now I see. I see the truth, right? I, my eyes were opened. I see spiritual realities. I see there's a spiritual world, right? I actually see the scriptures. Anybody here, when you first open the Bible, you're like, I don't know what this is saying. Anybody? Was anybody? Was it only me? The, like, like, like some of the first time trying to read the Bible, I was like, what the heck are these words? <laughs> because, right, the, because the Lord has to open your eyes to the scriptures, right? He has to give you discernment. And, you know, I actually prayed. I'm like, God, I don't, because I was just hungry for God. God, I don't know what this is saying, but I want to know. Please help me. And I'm telling you, it's almost like as I prayed that prayer, the Lord opened my eyes. I started reading the Bible, and I was like, wow, this is incredible. But before that, it was just like, like, like words. Like It was like trying to read poetry. It was just like, like, you know, and it did help that I went from reading a King James Version to, you know, reading a more modern-day translation that did help slightly. But still, even if it was, I, I didn't understand what parables, like you're saying this, but it means that, like all of that stuff, right? And so, so he opened my eyes to see, well, he did the exact same thing with this guy named Saul. Saul was actually a persecutor of the church, killing Christians, and he had an encounter with Christ. We call it the Damascus Road experience. He was actually physically blind for three days. That's crazy, isn't it? What if you were so stubborn God blinded you for three days? <laughs> that is... Man. <laughs> but look at what he did for the, for the gospel, right? I mean, I mean, he just, incredible. So let's read this. Verse, a few verses here, and then we're close. Verse 17 says, So Ananias departed, entered the house, laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you have come and sent, has sent me, sorry, so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes. He regained his sight, then he rose and was baptized, taking food, he was strengthened. That's the thing, friends, is that people have scales on their eyes. I had scales on my eyes, and that's what releasing vision is so that people, and it, was, it took somebody else to pray, and the scales fell off. And that's what the church's job is to do, that we pray and we stand the gap for people that the blinders would, would, would fall off that they could really see. See past themselves, see past the lies, see past deception. I was blind, but now I see. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we huh, thank you for how awesome you are and how faithful you are to us. And God, you are such an awesome God. We were singing a little while ago of how faithful and awesome you are. And everything you've done for us. And we just take a moment right now. And we lay our hearts before you. And friends, if you're ready to. Maybe for the first time. Maybe you're tuning in online. If you want to commit your heart to the Lord. Do it right now. Right here. Right where you're sitting. Or as you're tuning in. And you can say, Lord, I've been kind of seeking this thing out, this Christianity thing. And I'm ready. I commit my heart to you today, Lord. Or maybe you're tuning in later. Or maybe you're in here today and you're like, you know, I felt at some point I was more spiritual. I don't I think my relationship with God has been at where it was at one time. That's called, you know, let's be real. It's backsliding. You know, we all backslide from time to time. You say, Lord, I, I just want to be real with you again. Huh. 
want to give you my all again. Or maybe you can be honest and real with yourself. Maybe glue yourself in the mirror. And when you sang that song, I Surrender All, it was more I Surrender Some. <laughs> I know it's kind of funny. Seriously, though. Lord, would you, would you change that some to an all, God? <laughs> would you take that, would you take where maybe I've, I've surrendered parts, and God, would you take it all? I want to love you, and I know every person in this room wants to as well. I want to love you with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind, and as it says in Luke, with all of my strength. I want to be pleasing to my Heavenly Father, and God, I can only do it through your strength. So here I am again, God. Jesus. Mm. Just a few more moments. Just, just listen. God, would you speak to your sons and your daughters in here today? you just remind them of the plans you have for them, God? Would you bring breakthrough to those that are struggling, God? Would you bring strength to those that feel weak right now? God, would you fill areas of loneliness? Would you turn mourning into dancing, God? Would you remove the cloak of sorrow and give cloaks of joy? Because in your presence is the fullness of joy. I'm going to bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you. And may he give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, friends, God bless you. Thanks for joining with us today.